0: Very warm welcome to everyone who's come for this um, special retreat with Lama Lakshmi, longtime friend of all of us at Zen Community um, of Oregon, and um, Dharma Sister. Slightly different color and flavor of practice. We used to tease, um, a Vajrayana teacher, not Lakshay, but another one, saying, you can't get enlightened on anything but a black Zafu. <laughs> so we're able to joke with each other and also share this most precious dharma together and share it with you. So um, Lekshay suggested this retreat, and I thought it was really important because we're in a time that seems extraordinary. Um, once after retreat, somebody who had told me during the re- retreat that they their mind had relaxed and they were so happy and so much at ease. This was a fairly ordinarily tense person. Um, after the retreat ended and we were having lunch, I walked by the table where this person was and overheard them saying. The world is in the we- worst shape it ever has been. <laughs> and I, later I said to them, "To them, how do you know that? What about the Black Plague? You didn't live through that. Or the 200 years of smallpox epidemics every 15 years in Japan that wiped out two-thirds of the population. Um, the world is not in the worst shape it ever has been. The world is in samsara. This is samsara. And samsara keeps going round and round and round. This is samsara. The problem is we're not designed to take in this much suffering. So evolutionarily speaking, our body, bodies and hearts and minds were designed to take in the problems within a village or a small tribe. And large cities are evolutionarily speaking, a a fairly recent invention. And now we have social media adding to that, and news media, so constantly flowing into our eyes and our bodies and our hearts and our minds are all the tragic situations around the world. This is a very modern phenomenon. And our minds are magnetically attracted to the negative because our minds are designed to protect us, to keep us safe, to help us become loved and successful. And so the way the mind does that is to latch on to the negative and worry about the negative. And evidence of that is if you look at the stories in your newsfeed, and you look at the percentage of stories that are positive, It's about one percent, so they know what our minds are interested in uh, taking in. And that constant bombardment with all of the tragedies and suffering in the world is um, very, very stressful and causes us suffering. So what's the remedy? Usually we try over-the-counter remedies. Media fasts help. Other over-counter remedies, I'm sure you all have your favorites, we all do, Uh, involving um, food and ingesting other substances and more sleep or going to sleep when the news is on or um, whatever your recreational favorites are, temporary escapes. Um, So all over-the-counter remedies have a sign that says... uh, If symptoms persist, consult a physician. So we're consulting the great physician, the Buddha, who said, this is samsara. We're living in the midst of samsara. And the only medicine that works is the medicine of spiritual practice. That's the true medicine that helps us live in this modern world. And helps us establish a platform of compassion, wisdom, and equanimity so that we can find our place in the world to help. Each one of us is like a jigsaw puzzle piece. Each one of us has a place to help. Whether it's collecting garbage, and if our garbage man didn't come for a couple of months, we would be suffering very badly here. And you know, anyone you look at has their place in relieving human suffering. So to help us be clear to find that place, and also to be clear so that we can work effectively in that place, we need spiritual practice. The mind also, in addition to being attracted to everything that's negative in the news or dangerous, also believes that its job is to think continuously as a way to protect us. And those of you who have done a fair amount of meditation know that once the mind quiets down in a retreat, it's such a relief. the constant thinking only creates more suffering rather than relieving suffering. So we come to retreat to refresh our bodies and hearts and minds. To let go in various ways, and Lama Lakshmi will be teaching some very interesting ways to let go of the suffering that's always coming towards us and within us. So I'm just delighted that um, you've come here today to teach us and tomorrow and the next day, and that your sangha has come to join our sangha. Sangha friendship is truly wonderful, whether it's between teachers or everyone in the sangha. So everyone, you're very, very welcome here. Thank you for that warm
1: welcome. Feels good, doesn't it? Sometimes we go places and we don't know, am I welcome here or not? Is this my place? Are these my people? Am I safe? Am I happy? So you are welcome here. You are allowed to come exactly how you are, no change required. So this is a Zen. Monastery with a big heart and a big mind. And my own training is in a yogic tradition, wandering yogin tradition. So the kinds of people that I saw when I first lived in Nepal, camped out in caves and in little circles of practitioners in the jungle with fire at night, talking and sitting, people sitting beside waterfalls, listening. To the teachings of the water, and so I don't know what I don't actually I know nothing at all about the Zen tradition, but uh, but I thought that we could begin with a little bit of ritual, and this is um, a mystical way of relating to the world, doing things and having experiences that don't require and I think in most ways don't benefit from too much explanation. And yet tonight, because most of you will be perhaps unfamiliar with these rituals, we'll do two, a light offering and a smoke offering. I am going to explain them to you. And then I suggest if you do them uh, yourself someday, to get the training and the tools, that you do them hundreds of times or thousands of times. So when you do them, they just become like listening to the wind or feeling the bark of a tree. You know, there's no words really to explain that. And so when we do that, everything, everything, everything is our teacher. In fact, I feel so strongly about this after prepping this retreat. I feel, oh, if I could just be a conduit for you, for these other things to teach you. I myself, I feel, have nothing to say so much. (laughs) So the first thing that we will do is a lamp offering ceremony. And Terney, who is a community member at Dekiling, is going to do this. And this is the first time that she has been the Chupin, the ritual master for this ceremony. And so I like it that she's here learning and standing before you as a novice and a beginner and that she's willing to do that. I think that's very good practice. One of my thoughts at Dekiling is rituals are often given in the West to people with years and decades of practice and titles. But I feel like, oh no, when I was in Nepal, every household knew the rituals. Every woman had her secrets, every grandfather, every grandmother, they all knew some ritual. And so part of my teaching intention is to share the stream of rituals that have been offered to me. So Tarani is standing in front of the shrine, and perhaps already, because I've been talking for a while, she's visualized the field of merit, the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, all of the beings that inspire your practice. And so whatever your tradition is, indigenous, uh, Christian, whatever it is, you can imagine a broad field and a pool of water, like a small lake, and from that comes a magnificent tree. And this tree, the leaves are made of jewels, and then kind of floating in the tree in holographic form are the sources of refuge, the Buddha, up in the upper left-hand corner as I'm looking at my tree, are Dharma texts, and it's wonderful because they are written in a single hairs-width pen of silver light, and so they emanate rainbow lights, and they also speak to you, so you don't need to read them. You don't need to unwrap them. They're just singing to you, so I can hear this. You're seeing the Buddhas. You're seeing all kinds of creatures. You can fit in your grandmother. If she first awakened your heart, it's okay. You it can put her there. If Jesus is part of your spiritual awakening, please feel free to visualize in the tree. We have no corner on spiritual awakening in Buddhism, I feel. So she's visualizing this, and she's saying, I take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. I take refuge, sometimes I say, in the one awakened mind. I take refuge in not just the Dharma, the teachings of Buddha, but the teachings of of all phenomena, which is the other meaning of the word dharma. I take refuge in the sangha, the community of seekers of the truth. And so she's doing that, and then she is saying the syllables quietly because they're secret syllables, ram, yam, kam. And this means I invoke fire, wind, and water, to cleanse these offerings. Now she's offering a candle, but in a minute she's going to fill the entire sky with candles, millions and billions. And so if you want to offer the light of wisdom, I encourage you, if you wish, just invited to do this thing. Ram means I burn away any impurities in these offerings. So this is saying, I come with a pure heart. I intend to offer the very best that I have. Yam says... The wind, I invoke the wind to come and blow away. Now, what we're really blowing away is not impurities. The candle's probably fine, right? But what we're blowing away are our own confusion, our own arrogance, our own conceit, our own wounds, those things. And we're saying, all of this, I invoke the causes of removing those obstacles. And then calm is water. So then, water rushing through. Clean and sparkling, not because the offerings themselves are impure, but because maybe we bring some confusion. Sometimes we look at a candle and we think, "I wish I didn't have to offer that candle." That's the last one of those beautiful, you know. And I think, "Oops!" So Ram Yam Kam. Now we think, "Okay, that's that's gone and set aside." Then she'll consecrate the offerings by saying, "Om." Oh, hung. this is sacred speech, sacred body, sacred speech, sacred mind. And she's taking a little tiny twig from a tree and she's dipping it in the water, just, you know, imagining blessing, oh, ma hung, oh, ma hung, three times. And then she'll repeat this to herself quietly and I'll tell you what she's saying. She is saying that these offerings don't belong to her. They come through the generosity of other people. Perhaps someone was, actually someone did give her that candle. And they come through and now she's reminding herself, I own nothing. Nothing belongs to me, which is a kind of freedom and a kind of humility and also a kind of connecting yourself into the network of generosity. And she recites a little liturgy. And then she's going to do what's called an offering cloud mantra, which takes a long time to learn. She's been working on it for a couple of weeks. And she's reciting in Sanskrit. And what she's saying is, this appears as a single candle, but my intention is to fill the sky with wisdom light. And why not? I feel you're allowed. So as a Vajrayana practitioner, we use our imagination to help us experientially understand That the world is always full of generosity, overflowing with abundance. And all we have to do is invoke it and invite it and give our consent. So Rishites that a few times, and then she is saying, for this I have to get my glasses. (laughs) Old age, sickness and death. Through the power of the three jewels and the oceanic three roots, through the blessings of all the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, the great wealth of the completed two accumulations, the sphere of phenomena being pure and inconceivable, now she's making her aspiration, her wish for the world. May these clouds of offerings arising through the transformative power of the Bodhisattvas, Samantabhadra, Manjushri, and so forth. So now she's invoking her spiritual ancestors and saying, I'm not the first person to practice I am a lineage of people. I am a lineage of beings. And she's calling them and saying thank you. And she's asking, and I like this because I believe in consent. So blessings, I think, are not just randomly bestowed on us. We ask, please give me your blessings. And then I always feel like, oh, those beings rejoice. So they offer their blessings to us, and she says, Unimaginable, inexhaustible, equaling the sky, arise to be received. Grant your blessings so this aspiration may be fulfilled according to our wishes. So now she's saying, you're my team. All of you have vowed to awaken and benefit beings, and I too am part of that. You see how that lifts her up as a practitioner? She's not hiding out in that small view of herself. She's saying, I too have this power, this mind, this potential. And then she's saying we make these offerings both real and visualized to every Buddha and Bodhisattva and to every holy object that symbolizes awakened mind here and in every other place. And so now she's not just making the offerings here, but she's making the offerings in the whole universe. And then she'll recite a light-offering prayer written by Atisha Dipamkara, Tibetan practitioner. And really what she is saying, may may the light of these offerings now be vast, and may they illuminate the darkness. And I love this so much in this difficult time. Anyone who needs the blessing of the light of wisdom, may they have it now and may it be bright. So that goes on for a bit. And then she says, om, vajra, alake, ahum, so, om, the sacred sound of the universe, vajra, indestructible, alake, light. So I am offering indestructible light, Uh, ahum, and she's repeating that. And then she says, emaho, which means, wow, how wonderful is that? How wonderful is that? And Tibetans were very frisky, very joyful. And then she recites as a star, a mirage, or a butter lamp. As an illusion, a dewdrop, or a bubble; as a dream, a flash of lightning, or clouds. All compounded things should be seen like this, and then she will dedicate the merit. So there's some chance when you do a ritual or any practice at all. If you have a good experience, you feel, oh, I'm pretty powerful. I'm pretty special. <laughs> and that's a step backwards. And so we say, okay. I don't cling to this. This is not me. This is not mine. I offer whatever virtue is here, whatever goodness, to all beings. I share it with you all. My teacher always used to say, they don't divide it up, you know? They all get the whole thing. And it reverberates through lifetime after lifetime. So he used to say, I would say, oh, I'm so busy. You know, I have a job and I travel and I have babies. And he would say, don't think like that. One candle lit pervades the darkness through many lifetimes. So be big, let it be big. And then she says, awakening mind is precious. May it arise where it has not arisen. Probably many of you know these prayers. Where it has arisen, may it ever grow and flourish. And then she adds some little wishes. The Tibetans were never satisfied, saying, may good things happen. They went on and on for page after page after page. These days it's monks and nuns on their cell phones scrolling reciting what are called Tashi prayers, good fortune. So while we make these offerings, let's also say, could pretty much everything come to pass in whatever way benefits beings? And the little bell says that she's done. And then we will do this second offering, which is called a song offering, S A N G. now I'll just read you this one it's very short what I like about song offering is now I'm being inclusive this is the ultimate equanimity diversity inclusion practice I'm saying to all the spirits of the land, the air the water, the earth and also I'm calling everyone I have ever harmed And I'm saying, I even think I didn't see you, I didn't hear you. And so I apologize, even for that. And I invite you to come and take this. And the person or the beings, they don't take smoke. Smoke is symbolic of taking whatever they need. You know, Lama Michael, my teacher, used to say, I used to say, I don't know what to do. And he would say, give them what they need. I would say sometimes, I don't know what to say. He would say, say what they need to hear. So it's a way of making peace. Emptiness manifests as the five colored lights of unobstructed, spontaneous presence. From the illusory display of effortless compassion, all you beings of samsara and nirvana appearing in any way whatsoever. So not leaving out anybody. Acknowledging, you see, we don't know every shape, every form, every color. Our eyes maybe are a little clouded. We invite you to this place of offering and giving. Please come. Please take any seat that pleases you. Please come here immediately. Please sit wherever you like. Please come appearing like clouds in the sky. Sarva samayadadza ramyam kam. I purify the offerings. All phenomena are the illusory radiance of awareness. The fire, the wind, the water of great wakefulness burn and scatter and wash away all delusion and harmful habit and purify them into emptiness. In other words, let it go. And now within the state of emptiness, a perfect cloud of cleansing offerings fills space. Om Ahung, in other words, this is the enlightened way. In the self-occurring luminous mandala of empty clarity, there blazes a fire of nectar-filled wood from the smoke of every desirable sense pleasure. There rain down all kinds of divine offerings. Form, sound, smell, taste, and texture are gathered like cloud banks. All the infinite enjoyments completely fill the whole of space, source of refuge until awaking. Undeceiving precious three jewels of Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, please accept this offering. Sovereigns of all blessings, powers, and activities, hosts of gurus, yidams, dakinis. please accept this cleansing offering. Overseers of good and evil in accordance with pure view, oceans of oath-bound Dharma protectors, please accept our offering. You who dispel misery and rain down everything desirable, please accept this offering. All of you who can benefit or harm, who move with many powers, please accept this cleansing offering. Guardian spirits who increase conducive circumstances, please accept this offering. Obstructive beings to whom I owe great karmic debts, I dedicate this offering to you. My mothers from previous lives, objects of compassion, guests of the six classes in the three realms, I give you this offering. In short, the outer environment is cleansed of confusion. The inhabitants and all beings are cleansed of confusion and wrong view. This is our way of saying, I don't understand everything. I don't understand all people, all beings, all ways. May my confusion and any mistakes be purified. Offered, I offer an ocean of sense pleasures. May you accomplish the supreme and common cities, cities or powers, and perform the four activities. I offer the best part to the Three Jewels, the guests of honor. Please bestow upon us blessings and empowerment. Now, this is a wish for our retreat. Make the splendor of compassion shine. May the sacred bonds with the protectors be fulfilled, dispel all obstacles. Please cause conducive circumstances and excellence to increase to the guests to whom I have karmic debt. Please be satisfied. We're saying that more than once because we should remember about this. I offer to the beings of the six classes, may you be free from suffering. In this auspicious, joyful, and virtuous place, through this offering, may all good fortune and excellence come to this place. May the three parts of the day blaze with auspiciousness. May the three parts of the night radiate with auspiciousness. Throughout the day and night, may everything be auspicious, blissful, and excellent, and may an abundance of auspiciousness and virtue instantly appear. May it come to pass just like this, just like that. So there we set the tyranny. Can I offer you these? We set the boundaries of the retreat. So tyranny went around with the incense. And one of the things she's doing is creating a sacred, it's called a protection circle. And so this is my wish. And if you wish to wish it for yourself or others, you're welcome to, or not. But this is my wish for you, that you feel safe here to move out to the edge of your spiritual work and that all of us work together. We call it a mandala of practice to support each other. We support each other with disciplined silence. We support each other with forgiveness, with love, with openness, because each of us has come here to realize our potential and to vanquish obstacles that remain. So that little ritual, that whole thing would take less than five minutes. Right without the explanation, but I think it's nice to let you in on the secrets so that you can do this. You can do this at home. You just visualize a candle and you just let your mind be wide, wide open and you bring your big heart of humility and you say, I know I'm sitting on someone else's land. I know I'm walking in someone else's home. And so together, please, can we do these practices? So while we are talking about that, I would like to acknowledge that many beings have assembled. This is a joyful thing. I like to do this every morning when I practice. I know that priests and residents worked hard to make this retreat happen. I know that Chosen Roshi and Hogan Roshi have practice. Is it a hundred years between you now, do you think? Can you imagine having access to that? That's not easy work. You know this if you practice. My kids say, oof, that got me in my feels. (laughs) That got me in my feels. So many beings have gathered around you, cooks and gardeners and spiritual ancestors and Buddhas in realms near and far, and whatever your beliefs are, you can just remind yourself in a flash, how lucky is this? It's so easy right now. It happens to me every day that I think it's so difficult right now. It's so hard. The suffering is just oceanic right now. And then I remind yourself, that's true, and it's also true that all of these beings are supporting my practice. And this is not new. This has been going on. You know, we're Buddhists, so we say. Far back into endless time, you've been supported. Right now, you are supported. You are supported right now. I vow to support you right now in your awakening. And you will be supported in your future lives. So enjoy that. And I don't know about you, but when I first started to practice, and I know that not all of you are new practitioners, I used to wonder pretty much every time, am I in the right place? And I want to tell you that you are. Raindrops never fall in the wrong place. Snowfalls never, snowflakes never fall in the wrong place. You also are never in the wrong place. You have always been and always will be in the right place. I think about this. I saw a young man today collapsed on the street in a suburb of Portland, and he was beautiful. He reminded me of my firstborn. He was covered in tattoos, and he had beautiful, long, flowing hair. And he was absolutely gone from consciousness. And I thought, oh, my friend, you are on your spiritual path. I pray for your awakening. I do not judge you where you are. I do not ask you to be something different, but may your path be bright and clear. May you awaken in this body or the next body or the next body. So you are like that too, you know? And when I make these prayers for you and I make them for myself and I want to wish you a relaxed and happy retreat. I used to worry too when I went on retreat, I used to say to my teacher, oh, I was 35 when I started. It's too late to awaken. (laughs) He would say, oh, no, no, you don't need to worry about that. I think it's possible you practiced in some previous life, and I think it's even possible you might be on the edge of enlightenment right now. This could be the retreat, you know? And I never really believed that, but it helped me feel a little bit better. (laughs) So I want to say, open to that. My Tibetan teacher says... Never believe, never believe that you can't reach enlightenment. Never believe that it could not be you in this life to lead sentient beings to awaken. And so, yeah, why not? Think big like that. So while feeling the great potential that you have, I also want to encourage you to keep your practice rock bottom simple, especially on this retreat. I was thinking, well, what would a pith instruction for this retreat be? And I thought maybe it would be open to blessing, remain still and awake, something like that. So the way that they do that in the Zen tradition, as far as I can tell, I only lived here for a year, but it seems like your work, your practice, everything, and we would say in the Vajrayana, your sleep, while you're sleeping, also practice. You wake up in the night, you don't know if it's day or night, perfect. Just listen, just hear what the universe is teaching you. All of the practices that we talk about in this retreat are really one practice, and that's just to open to this thing and this thing and this thing. I had that instruction so many times from my Tibetan teacher, and I would say, you know, Rinpoche, I can't do it. And he would say, well, what happens when you try to do it? And I would say, well, I see I close, and then I see I get distracted, and then I start making plans, and then I think I shouldn't be a Buddhist. And he would say, oh, that's the practice working. And I would say, how could that be working? And he would say, because you've been doing that all your life, but now you see. Now you know that you do it. It's wonderful. Please continue, please continue. So I hope we can practice like this. I read, who is Hongzhi? Hongzhi. Chinese master. Chinese master, thank you.
0: Ancient.
1: Ancient Chinese master. You know, if this wasn't a retreat tomorrow, Chosen would come with a small puppet show (laughs) about Hongzhu, and then I would learn all about Hongzhu, which is one of the things I love about you. All right, so I read this quote attributed to Hongzhu. Silent and serene, forgetting words, bright clarity appears before you, dropping judgments and names. These are practice instructions. Sitting serene, wisdom unfolds, When you reflect it, you become vast. When you embody it, you are spiritually uplifted, infinite, without boundaries, yet securely grounded on your seat. I'm gonna try to practice like that, so simple. Trusting that every single thing that happens is for your benefit. Every single thing that happens is your teacher. So in the Vajrayana tradition, you know, there's a guru tradition. So we say, this is not very poetic, so bear with it. Phenomena arising. So in other words, everything that happens is the play of my guru's mind for the benefit of my practice. Phenomena arising is the play of my guru's mind for the benefit of my practice. So never alone in your practice. Everything that happens is the mind of the guru, benefit of your awakening. I'm not asking you to believe that or anything else on this retreat, but I have been practicing that for 30 years. And when I feel alone, all I have to do is look at the steam coming up out of my cup and I think to myself, oh, hello, my guru. (laughs) What are you telling me? Oh, yeah, wake up. Okay. All right. It's morning. I'll try. So let's settle into the actual practice. Chupin said refuge for you, but if refuge is part of your practice, I invite you to take refuge in the Buddha and the Dharma and the Sangha. And then to allow your aspiration practice for practice to be so big. And we do that by saying, I aspire to awaken for the benefit of all beings. And then this simple practice, feel your body right here. Feel how the earth supports you. And without any narrative whatsoever, bright and awake, bring your attention to whatever's happening. That's all it's asking, is for you to witness. And you do that over and over. And because it's late, maybe at some point you feel sleepy or you get distracted, it's no problem. The moment that you notice distraction, you are already wide awake again. So you bring your awareness back to the body, back to this moment, and you just keep noticing. It's really quite simple.